The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. Hey, fun fact. By the end of ISTE 2018, I think Glenn actually legitimately hated my guts. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We have the On Education team here with us for a year in review. We'll share some personal goals and say goodbye to the worst year ever. Our guest this week is Jill Seiler. <laughs> I, I actually have enjoyed um, all the people saying goodbye to the worst year ever in different ways. Did everyone see John Oliver blow a 2020 sign to smithereens? It was pretty <laughs> I did not, but that sounds amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, so so um, if people don't know, like we have a team, we have people, we have folks that are doing a lot of amazing work uh, with us. Um, that we're so lucky to have um, work with us. And, and, and uh, we wanted to bring everybody together to um, say goodbye to 2020 and to bring in 2021, at least with some sense of, you know, hope, maybe. maybe? Sure. Uh, so, but we should introduce um, the folks that we have with us. We'll, we'll start with uh, Dave and, and Diana and then, and then Audrey. Yeah, so uh, I'm Dave Blanchard. I uh, have been working with the podcast for now just over a year and a half, and I take care of some social media pieces. And in my daytime, I am an assistant professor at St. Cloud State University, working with graduate and undergraduate teachers. Awesome. awesome. I am Diana, and I actually was a guest of the podcast back in... Yes, you were. You were. 2018, maybe? Um, actually, actually, I was thinking about this today because you were a guest in the same block of interviews that we're doing now as one of the FETC arranged guests, which we've worked with FETC for a couple of years and and that you were one of the people they lined up for us. Yes, I was. And that conference, like in the podcast that year, you said, come by and meet us at the conference. And I never have told you this story, but I did. I came by your where you were broadcasting yeah. and I and I watched, but I was afraid to come up and introduce myself. And then, <laughs> and then look at us now, two years later, teammates. Yeah, I was I, just thinking about Mike that in 2018, we probably had like the little tiny microphone sitting on a table in a yes, corner or something like that. We had a paper. Oh, we had a paper. With a yes. piece yeah. of paper as the table. And it was out in yeah. the hall. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, That's so, so awesome. I love that story. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a, I'm a retired educator, just recently retired in August. I taught 35 years. My job I retired from was director of technology, and I am currently a professional learning specialist for both I2E and Ed to the Max, which are Microsoft training partners. Awesome. Awesome. And Audrey? 
I'm Audrey Thornborough, and I am one of the bloggers on the team. So I get to um, write every once in a while, um, every other episode, uh, which is a lot of fun. I love that. Um, and my day job is a tech integration instructional coach slash media specialist. Lots of titles. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very cool. Um, so it thought we could do a couple of things. Um, uh, maybe we could first, um, you kind of look back at maybe some of the episodes, think about, um, some of the discussions we've enjoyed the most. Um, um, I, and then maybe what we would do is, um, talk about maybe some personal goals, you know, talk about what we're looking forward to in the, in the new year, we're going to be taking a couple weeks break here. Um, so maybe leaning into, to 2021 with, uh, some ideas of what we, what we want to see happen. Um, who wants to start? Cause I don't want to start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who wants to start with, with one of their favorite moments or, or episodes from the podcast? Hopefully someone prepped because I don't think I did. <laughs> I can actually go first and I, I'm not going to talk about a specific episode, but I'm going to talk about a specific series of episodes that we did and we did it very intentionally, Mike, and you did a really, really good job uh, as you always do. But in this case, a excellent job of lining up guests that really pushed us out of our comfort zone. And what I'm talking about is right after black lives matter, um, we started lining up. We already had some people lined up, and I think some maybe there was some misconception about whether or not we had some some certain guests lined up. But we were very conscious about who do we actually want to talk to, and then what are the questions that we need to ask, and that what are the conversations that we need to have. And there was many moments in those interviews, and and Mike and I know this because you know pre-show where at least I was feeling really awkward and uncomfortable because I didn't want to, I didn't want to ask the wrong question. And that's how I felt like this whole, this whole time. And you know what, at the end of all of that, I'm super happy to, to, to say that it was that fear that always kind of holds, especially me back, especially on uncomfortable topics that I sometimes don't know enough about. And, to uh, it, and I'm glad that we did it and I'm glad that we spoke and that we asked those questions and even though they might not have been the perfect questions and they you know maybe weren't set up the exact right way the conversations that were had then really impacted myself and I know a lot of our audience or a lot of uh, listeners sorry did give us the feedback that that those were great episodes to to be able to listen to especially during a time it was so devastating and tough in this country, yet we were, yet needed to happen. So I wanted to make sure, yet, you know, it's not a specific episode of one of those guests because it was a combination of all of those guests. And, and I think that this past year, you know, COVID, of course, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, and just kind of everything all meshed in the one, it feels like 10 years in the one. But I definitely feel like we grew a lot and it was a lot based upon what you did, Mike, seriously, that as far as setting up the guests, 
really pushing the things and making me feel super uncomfortable, you know, like in the moments it's like, I was like, I don't even know what to ask, you know, the questions to ask. And this team did a great job of kind of coming together and making sure that we addressed the topics and we did it the right way. So that's probably what I, I would say is, is my favorite part of 2020, <laughs> you know, as many bad things that actually occurred, that was, that was for sure my, the, the, and the most growing that I did. As part of that series, one of my favorites that you did was the uh, Jed Derry, Derry Berry. I can't ever say yes. his name, but yes. I think he was part of that series and the passion that he brought in that podcast. I remember that's back, I believe it was either in the summer or late, uh, late summer, early fall, because it was nice enough. I was walking when I was listening to it and I, in my neighborhood and I was crying, um, because mm. I could hear the passion through his voice. And uh, that was one of my favorites. I like that one too. I had that, I had Jed's name written down <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I just have so many different favorite moments from the year. Um, I think one that really stuck out to me um, was Rob Dunlop when he talked about Ikigai um, and kind of that sense of like, sense of self and sense of being um like your purpose in in life and that's always something that i think very deeply about is you know like what is my purpose and how am i um making this world a better place or you know impacting the lives of my students and the lives of my teachers positively um so i just really enjoy listening to him talk a little bit about that um i also love noah daniel's episode i just love the her, the concept of her podcast um and she really got me thinking about like if i if i had to choose three songs so what three songs would i choose for, my, yes. for myself mm -hmm. so good yeah yeah it, she just really intrigued me i was like oh, i want to know her more <laughs> i loved it um um, no, it's great. Yeah. So she really like, caused me to kind of reflect on myself a little bit more and try to like nail down like who, who I am so I can, you know, put three songs to myself. Um, and I think most recently Brianna Hodges episode, I was just like, Oh, that one was amazing. She just spoke truth and it just had a whole lot of amazing, um, amazing hard truths to say. Um, but there's things that needed to be heard. So it was awesome. You know, I look back and really see the longest six weeks stand out. Uh, you know, our friend Mandy Freilich, she she came in and and anytime she's on, anytime she's speaking at any events or, or hosting any webinars, she is speaking from just such a, a place of heart and personal journey around educator mental health and and uh, you know the the pieces in which a lot of us have a really hard time to even grapple within ourselves. And I know I've gone back to a number of her posts and videos and and podcasts a number of times throughout the last six months to really just help ground myself. And, uh, you know, I think that 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 episode and that conversation and the, the concept that uh, that uh, Philip Pulley came in with educational triage that was looped in with that episode um, was just so timely in in a peak that we didn't necessarily see. Um, you know, like this extend another six months past that. Um, and, and it was just such a great episode for, for everyone to stop and, and pause for a couple of moments. Mm -hmm. I got it. When, um, 
So go ahead. I was just saying, I got another one. One of my other favorites was Victoria Thompson back at the beginning of November. Mm, yes. And um, I mean, the topic was awesome. You all did a fabulous job on the podcast. But what intrigued me the most was that she's the same age as my son. And the maturity level, like, leaps and bounds above my son. I hope he, oh, I hope he doesn't, doesn't listen to the podcast, <laughs> although he would agree. He would agree. But <laughs> I, I tweeted that after listening to that podcast, it made me, as someone who's approaching um, the sixth decade of life, um, she gave me hope for the future because uh, – She's only 27. I mean, she's not even 30. And yeah. I just felt so comforted by what she had to say, knowing that there are people in that generation that we can feel comfortable letting letting go um, and let them take over. <laughs> when, um, when we started the podcast... Um, I wanted, I always wanted it to be, I, I had this idea that I wanted it to, to be a place where, you know, hard things were talked about even, you know, because, you know, I, I was listening to, I listened to educational podcasts and, and, and a lot of it, to be honest, was, you know, fluff. And, and I'll, I'll be honest also, like, I've thought a lot about our, you know, successes and failures over the last couple of weeks. And I wouldn't lie if the thought had crept into my head, Hey, if we were a little more rainbows and sunshine, we'd probably have more downloads. Um, you know, and I, I, I actually legitimately think that's true, but because that's what teachers, you know, that's what teachers like, but I'm not sure that's what teachers need. So, um, I, I really wanted this podcast to be, to be different. And so I think that if you go back and you kind of take a look at some of the things that we've talked about, um, prior to this year, you'll see a pretty consistent, I feel like you'll see a pretty consistent track record of speaking about, you know, the issues that we're still speaking about now, things like racial inequality. Um, you know, we had, uh, the uh, the policy director for an educational think tank on in early 2018 talking about districting and and zoning and funding based on poverty and equity and like I mean I think we've been good on this stuff for a while but when George Floyd died this year um, I wanted people to have no doubt in their minds where at least where I stood. Right. And, and, you know, so I wrote, for example, I wrote that blog post, um, on our site. Um, and I made promises, you know, in that post about who we would bring on, what we would try to do. And, and in particular, one of the things that I think back on, especially over the, every interview, if you go and listen to almost every interview since George Floyd, um, one of the things that's consistent is I we're asking a lot harder questions, a, a lot harder questions. And uh, I mean, screw if you feel uncomfortable, like, but if you're a leader and an expert and someone who is holding themselves out to be that, 
you have to be capable of responding to these moments in 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 particular you don't have to be able to respond to these moments in every aspect of this moment but in the aspects that you claim to be a leader in, like so you know we just had jill sire on siler we just had jill siler on and so you know we asked her about what's it like to lead as a superintendent I'm burying the the lead a little bit, but we asked her about what it's like to be a superintendent when, you know, you have people in your community dying, um, you know, you know, in your school community, how do you lead in that regard? Because, you know, that's her job in some cases is to mentor and be with people and, and support people, teachers who have to then go and support family members. And I think that I, 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 I love, for example, you know, you can see an example of this in conversations with Michael Bonner, um, with Adam File, with Jed, you know, not specifically talking about Black Lives Matter. But I mean, Jed is a, a you know, an out proud gay man and, you know, has immense amounts of, you know, hardships to deal with going through his life. And um, it was an amazing chance to talk and, and open up about about that um so um i've been really happy with i i've never been more proud of the content that we've produced than than the content we've done in the last eight months yeah 100 i think is i think is the is the actual punchline to that yeah, yeah. You, you guys do a great job and i just love to hear the two of you all at the beginning <laughs> i do i look forward to that so much I knew too. People tell us that's their favorite. A lot it of people is. have told us. And then a lot of people have also said uh, to the chagrin of, of when Mike hears this, that after that first part, they just turned it off. <laughs> They're like, uh, listen, yeah, at, least, that was... at least listen to the first ad for God's they, sake. You got to pay the bills. They just listened to that first part. And then, and then they're like, I'm out. Saturday. I, I got my fill of what's happening in uh, Mike's England's uh, uh, nerd, nerd filled lives. And uh, now we're out. What, what is it you call it? Talking, talking about the nonsense or something like that? Yeah. Truth yes. to nonsense. Well, truth, truth to nonsense. nonsense. That's it. It's definitely nonsense. Truth to nonsense. For sure, for sure. I was just um, thinking too, Mike, uh, 100% yeah. that I agree with what you were saying. And it's such a weird, it was such a strange year anyway for uh, just in life in general. And then that also turned the podcast also kind of sideways too. Um, normally, Mike and I, during the summer, um, if, if you're a longtime listener, know that we put out like tons of content during the summer because we go to a bunch of conferences and actually do live interviews um, with just then we can find people on the spot and be able to go ahead and, and push out a lot of content, a lot of things and really report at the conferences themselves. And because that didn't happen, that felt really weird this whole summer. It made the summer feel like awkward to me. And then when the year began again, I was just like, oh, I don't feel that there's this sense of kind of like you're refreshed and you feel like, oh, I'm ready to go ahead and I, I'm inspired and I'm refreshed and whatever it might be. And in the fall, it just, it felt like the year had never ended yeah. from the spring, you know? Yeah. And so, and it made the podcast as far as the way that we even structured everything just way different. 
So mm-hmm. saying that, one of the things I'm super pumped and appreciative, and I know we have some goals for 20, 2021, is, and I think maybe a lot of people have this goal too, is the the moments that we actually get to be back together, whenever that ends up happening, I'm really going to... I think I appreciated those moments, but now I'm going to like relish each of those moments and really tell people face to face. Cause a lot of times it's hard, you know, whatever it might be to tell people, but tell them how much you do appreciate them and everything they've done. And, you know, the, I, I'm an affectionate person, so I probably will hug you and make you feel really uncomfortable, Mike. (laughs) Um, But I just feel like there's many of those moments where you just take, I just took all those things for granted, you know, like that's just life, Ah, you know, all those things are going to happen next year again. And it didn't happen. And it has sucked super bad, uh, not being able to do obviously that whole summer. And then for us in the winter, you know, this Audrey, when we get to to have our big conference here in Minnesota where we, all of us, Dave too, we all get together and, and we really get to spend kind of this three or four day amazing time together. And if you, it is, it's, it's the conference itself. It's going to dinner those nights. Mm-hmm. It's just being walking out in the cold Minnesota nights, you know, oh. and, and just spend <laughs> my notes and just being able to spend that time together and go like, dang, you know, this is really what it is to be, an educational community and to, and to have that stripped away. And though we still have stuff, we have FETC is free. You know, we have some different things, events that are going to still take place. Uh, Impact education is happening and they still are going to host it in a virtual way. That virtual, my God, does not equal. It's not the same at all. It doesn't equal our face-to-face interactions and being around each other. And, and I am for sure taking that into this year and remembering that those moments where they were actually taken away from us and, and remembering that, man, we're super blessed to do the jobs that we get to do and then to do the jobs that like the communities that we get to exist in that are even beyond our little districts and our and our families and whatever it might be these communities that we've mm-hmm. that we've created and built together. Uh, it's freaking awesome. And, and I have to just make sure that I'm appreciative of each of those moments. Hey, fun fact, by the end of ISTE 2018, I think Glenn actually legitimately hated my guts. <laughs> and, and, it's and, it now, was a... and now, and now it's like, dude, I miss you so much. I can't wait to give you a big hug. <laughs> I see seriously how... am going to give you a big hug. And I'm going to appreciate each of those moments that we have together. Uh, because they, they should be cherished. And so often there's just too many things that I just in my own, like I'm just speaking for myself, that I'm just taking it for granted. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's supposed to happen. You know, that's going to happen again, blah, 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 whatever it might be. None of this is, it, it, you know, can we say is going to happen. You know, we don't know what our health is going to be. We've talked about that kind of stuff. You know, we don't know what is the future holds so when we do have those moments to be around each other and and uh, have those joyous times god gotta appreciate those times even even when you're driving me crazy mike (laughs) (laughs) on those long trips (laughs) i i was thinking just the other day exactly what you what you just said about how much i miss 
hugging. I miss mm. handshakes. I miss yes. patting someone on the shoulder or the back. Um, I will be, I look forward to a day when we can do that safely again and not worry that we have to go sanitize right after we do that. So what are we looking forward to? What are I 2020 was just garbage. <laughs> Dumpster fire. And I am so <laughs> absolutely over this year in so many ways. Um, I'll, I'll start with, cause I, I've definitely been thinking about this. Listen, um, if you've listened to the podcast, you've seen my tweets. I, I'm going probably through the worst three weeks of like health it, that I've ever had in probably my life. Um, it's been really, really hard, and I'm dealing with anxiety in addition to it. While as a result of it, and it, it hasn't been fun. Like I had to actually take the podcast off last week um, because I just couldn't, I couldn't sit here and and do it. Um. I am, so I'm, you know, in the middle of a half-diagnosed, you know, issue with whatever nerve damage that I'm dealing with where I occasionally, my hands just go completely numb. Um, and, you know, I wake up in with panic attacks, you know. So anyways, this was supposed to see, see what 2020 does to us. <laughs> this was supposed to be the positive part of the episode. And here I am talking about how I'm going to die. But, you're um, you're going to turn it around. around. You're going to turn it you're around. Gonna... I know where you're so, going. Yes. <laughs> that's that's kind of, yeah. So listen, I, I really am, am looking forward to getting back to health. I, I at this time last year, I was down 25-ish pounds um, and feeling really you know, as good as I had ever felt. Now, um, I guess one slight tilt of positivity to all of this is that when I did go get a blood test last week, they told me that my blood test numbers are better now than they were in 2016, you know, so I'm actually healthier, you know, now than I was in 2016, but it just didn't tell me what was wrong with me. Um, so, so it, it, it made me feel a little bit better that it's not my, you know, my liver or my kidney or, you know, I'm not, I don't have diabetes or anything like that, but you know, I'd still love to know what's going on. And I'd like to, you know, lose this pandemic weight that I was so proud. I was so proud <laughs> this time last year, um, of how much better I was feeling and the exercise and, uh, it all kind of just came back and, and, and it sucks. Um, so, so I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm looking forward to, um, you know, assuming that I can, you know, get to a good place uh, health-wise, I'm looking forward to streaming um, and and what I'm doing in my personal streaming. And then, uh, listen, uh, we think we're going to change the world to participate, hashtag marketing. Um, but we, we absolutely think that we've got a lot of crazy, we got a lot of crazy ideas and we have the smartest people in the world to be able to do them. Um, so I'm, I'm psyched about the work mm. that I'm doing. I'm psyched about the people that I'm working with. Uh, I, I pinch myself to think about the partners that I get to deal with. And, um, I am, I almost said the name of the big announcement, but I'm not going to, but <laughs> you should stay tuned because something big Whoa. is being announced really soon at participate. Um, that is very near and dear. Very I almost near had to edit to, something out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I almost said it very near and dear to Glenn's hearts. Glenn and I's heart uh, is being announced real soon, mm. uh, at participate. So, 
uh, lots, lots, lots going on at work, and I'm I'm super pumped about all of that. So, um, and um, I guess the last thing is that you know, um, I I just feel absolutely blessed to to have you know the resources and the the money and stability financially um, that I I have historically haven't had um, as well, and um, you know I can't imagine what it's like to. Um, to be in situations where people have lost their jobs and, and stuff like that. Um, we've been lucky enough that, you know, I've never given away more money to charity than I had this year. Um, and, and, you know, I want to keep doing that as well. So there go 2021, please, please, please be good for us. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing year. And I'm telling you, once we get to start being able to get out and be around each other. I think it's going to change a lot of us. It's not just, I know, I don't think it's just me or feeling like that kind of thing is then it's not just this group here that's talking here. I think just in general, us as humans, um, it's kind of like there is a new, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel kind of, kind of statement where we can see that and we, will be that much more appreciative of those things, of those moments, even of the discourse. Like you talk about that too, Mike, all the time. And and I've, I've started to grow to accept that thing where you want to have a discourse, a, a uh, conversation, even if it's, uh, you know, you're not agreeing with each other. I think that that's, that that's perfectly fine. And for so long, and this kind of just culminated in this year, it felt like, we can't stand each other. Many of us, we can't stand talking to each other. Many of the times I've even said it on the podcast. It's, it's even our own families. Like we've, we've broken our, our relationships with our families because of, you know, whatever social media, whatever it might be. And it's almost like we had to kind of go through all of this. This is my, my uh, philosophy that we had to go through all of this to then to come out of it and be like that much more appreciative of each other as humans, you know, um, as, as part of a society that we're all trying to make better. Um, and, and for the most part, all, almost all of us are really good people with different ideas about different things. And that's kind of why it's good to bring those things up as far as in the, in the podcast, Mike. And I do appreciate that from you. Uh, many times I only want to talk about my own agendas and my own things of, uh, you know, the things that I believe in, but I think it is good for us to bring in a, a variety of different ideas and topics and have those discussions and arguments, whether it be on social media, but then be able to put that aside and then be able to say, you know what? I appreciate you as a human. I appreciate that you have your things. It's okay that we don't agree on everything. That's going to be, that's part of human nature where we we it culminated this year i think though in this part where we were like god we really can't stand each other you know 50% of our country and you know almost can't stand each other you know like they look at each other in different ways i hope that be that we could get beyond that too and that this is much more than just getting past the the deadly virus it's more like getting past ourselves of as like basically almost like two different countries within ours. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that or agree with me on that, but I, I, I think that that's, that's my thing I'm looking forward to the most. It's not just the, the, 
being around each other, the kinship there, but just being better people to each other. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we have to share our resolutions, right? Is that what we're, and what we're looking for? Yes. Along with what we're looking forward to? Yes. I don't know. I don't really set resolutions ever. Um, It's just not something I've ever really done, but it's not that I don't have goals. So I guess my continuous goal every single year that I have is that I will be able to thrive in all areas of my life so that I, you know, I will be able to be a good educator, a good coach, a good mom, a good wife, a good friend. Um, In 2018, I actually lost my best friend because she felt that I wasn't there for her enough. And she had said, you know, if you're not going to call me every day or whatever it might be, we're done. And so I lost my friend because I wasn't, I wasn't there. And also in 2018, a great coworker of mine lost his wife in an accident, a car accident. And she was, you know, they weren't even 30 years old. And what that taught me from losing my best friend and watching my great coworker go through that hardship was that I can't let another moment go by where I'm not the absolute best that I can be in all areas of my life. I need to be there for people, you know, all of that jazz. And so that's, that's my goal is that I will be able to work on all areas of my life and, you know, be the very, very best person that I can be. And so actually when Mike and Glenn, when you asked me or allowed me to be part of this team to be able to, to write for you guys. Um, I, I think I've shared this a couple of times and I said, I know it sounds dramatic, but it's like brought life to me because one of the things that I wasn't thriving in was going after my own hobbies. As a mom, I was kind of like put that stuff aside. It makes you kind of feel like you're being selfish if you, you know, d- dive into your own hobbies. And so I put writing aside, which is something I absolutely love to do. And you guys allowed me to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to do this because it brings me joy. And so you guys have just been able to just fulfill my my dreams, really, <laughs> by allow, allowing me to to write. And, and so um, I'm just so grateful and um, just honored that I get to do this with you guys. And so I guess something that I look forward to in 2021 is continuing with my writing. I have a little project of my own that I'm working on right now that I'm excited to keep working on um, and just, you know, growing and learning um, as an educator. Well, we appreciate all of you. I mean, Mike and I talk about this all the time too, that we are so appreciative to just have a team. I mean, that's what it is. You know, when Mike started saying that, we need, you know, it would be cool if we had some people to be able to go ahead and and help us with some things. And I was like, nobody's going to do that. (laughs) My pessimistic self, I'm like, who's going to want to be doing that? Come on, you know, whatever might be. But Mike was right. Um, and the funny it, thing is, yeah. is that both time we the both times we put out calls for people, we got like dozens, yeah, both times, and and I both times I was like, Glenn, we gotta, we gotta, we can't just bring on one person. That's stupid. Look at all these people. It was ridiculous. It was, and you guys yeah, are so awesome. Crazy. Yes, and it's so awesome too. To so that it's not just Mike and I. 
I actually really love that because then it's not just, we're not just in this bubble. <laughs> you know, it's just Mike and I talking to each other and it, and it becomes hard. It's like we're brothers, you know, it's, it feels like that kind of relationship where we need some other people to kind of buffer. I know that Dave, you've been there so much, so many times for me and so many different uh, avenues, you know, and, and I super appreciate that same thing exactly with you, Audrey and the team that Diana and the rest of the team, when we are reaching out and just saying some different things is because Mike and I, we need some other people to be able to kind of help us, you know, to help, help to sometimes to do the, to get, to do the work, to do some of the things, but sometimes it's just to help us get out of our own heads to come up with different ideas. And it has made a humongous difference in those things because we have, mm -hmm. I think, way better questions and we're thinking more about certain things. And I, my anxiety levels right before it, some of the interviews have been lessened because of some of the things that you guys have said as far as in the chats that, you know, the DMs between us where I'm like, oh, okay, I, I have a frame of reference of where to go in and go with um, and, and what to go in and ask and in what you know, context, whatever it might be. And that has helped immensely. Um, so we super appreciate you guys. And we talk about that too all the time. As Mike and I are walking to, you remember that last year, Mike, January, FETC, we were walking in the sun, beautiful days. Actually, I think it was raining, uh, but, it, but it was still beautiful. <laughs> oh, it was Miami. No, it was Miami. It was beautiful. And we were just yeah. talking about, gosh, this is, you know, what, what an awesome thing we get to do, you know, this whole, this whole thing, this podcast, but then this community, um, that we are, that we are just a part of now. And it's just freaking awesome. I'll go next because Audrey yes. hit the nail on the head. I love to write. And, um, when, when, uh, when, well, first off, when I saw Mike's tweet asking for help back in the spring, I thought I got to, I got to do something in retirement, something to keep me busy. So I reached out and, um, and you all were gracious enough to let me join. And, um, my goal for 2021 is to be able to do more writing, to put some thoughts down on paper. And if you need me to help out on, you know, jumping in on the blog part, like I did last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was, um, I can do that for you too, for you too. But the, the most important part is, is allowing me that creative expression in writing, which I love and I miss. Um, so thank you for the opportunity. I certainly do appreciate it. All right, Fred. So there's a lot to look forward to in 2021 and we can't wait for it. Um, hopefully you'll all join us. Stay tuned when we come back, Jill Seidler. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Jill Seidler is a speaker, author, and superintendent at Gunner ISD in Texas. She is the chair of the Future Ready Superintendent Leadership Network Design Team and serves as the lead facilitator of her state's aspiring superintendent academy. She is one of the great keynote speakers at this year's FETC virtual conference. Welcome to On Education, Jill. Thank you. It is so great to be here, and I'm super excited about FETC, and so I appreciate being on the show today. Awesome. Jill, for those uh, of our listeners that have don't know about you, want to know, learn more about you. Can you introduce yourself and your background in education? 
Sure. So I started my career in teaching and I was a classroom teacher for six years, um, all of which uh, has been in Texas, um, made the move into campus leadership and was a campus leader for several years and then um, worked in central office for a number of years, uh, both as a director of secondary curriculum and then as an executive director. And then back in 2012, made the big jump um, to the superintendency and have been serving in my district for nine years. Mm. Nice. Um Jill, you wrote a book that I, I believe has recently came out. It came out in the fall, uh, Thrive Through the Five. And I wanted to talk about that just a little bit. In your book, you talk about how to navigate the 5% of an educational leader's time that's spent, I, I think I'm getting the synopsis right, in the really, really hard work. Um, you know, the, 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 the dirty stuff, I guess. Uh, I'd love to start by deconstructing that work from the rest of the work, uh, the 95%. So what are we talking about? When we talk about the 5%, what are we talking about? Yeah, so you know, I tell people all the time, I love my job 95% of the time. And people are like, that's incredible, and it is. But what is so difficult to put into words um, is how difficult that 5% is. You know, and let's be clear, like I wrote this book a, a full year before the pandemic. And even then, like even a year before, um, we would have had a stretch. Like if some seasons I would have gotten to 75, 25, I'd call it a win, right? But there's this small portion, I think for all of us, whether you're a classroom teacher, um, a leader, no matter what your role is in education or outside of education, that is really, really difficult. Um, for me, the 5% are things like the tragedy um, that happens to your school community or things like this, a pandemic where um, you're trying to make the best decisions you possibly can, but people in your community are being impacted. It's the poor choice that happens by anyone in your uh, organization, young or not so young, ourselves when we make a poor choice. Um, it's it's not having enough money or wondering if economic crisis is coming. Um, and most of all, it's really just the weight, right? Just of, of knowing that the livelihoods of so many people are, are resting in your hands. And I think that many would say the same is true for a classroom teacher. Like it's the weight of knowing that those students in, and their well-being is in your hands too. Every word that we say matters, every lesson that we teach matters. And so for me, that is just some of the 5%. Does any so does anything change? So you gave strategies for navigating that five percent, but like you suggested, and you you led into my next question beautifully because uh, I literally and I literally wrote the numbers that you said. What happens when the five percent becomes twenty five percent? What happens in a pandemic where people are losing their family members when they're not sure how to navigate school and everything that is normal is not happening at all anymore. That seems like a lot more than 5%. So, you know, what changes, you know, in terms of kind of your ideas and your strategies when 5% becomes exponentially more? Yeah, so that's such a great question. I have so much to share, but, you know, I, I think to start, for a long time, my mantra in terms of, of how to approach these things that are undesirable or challenging or frustrating or painful, whatever it may be, is just that this too shall pass, right? And in the length of how long it takes for it to pass is dependent on the nature of the very incident itself, right? But the next day is going to be better and the next day is gonna be better. And in most situations, um, after a short amount of time, things are going to get better. 
this pandemic though has truly pushed things to the limit, right? We're we're 10 months into this, nine months in, you know, depending on when this publishes. And so this too shall pass, like it's been a long time. So in terms of the strategies um, that I lay out in the book, in terms of like internal strategies and external strategies and how to, to deal with failure and fear, none of that changes. But what I would say is this, that, you know, <laughs> I jokingly say if, if I were to retitle the book today, it might be like thrive through the 55%. Like this has been an extremely difficult season. But I think that that's part of it is that we have to recognize that what we're going through right now is crisis and that it is looking, I mean, it is very different than any other year. We always have challenges, but this year in particular has been so incredibly difficult. And so like, as I'm working with first year superintendents, that's the message I'm sharing with them. Like, listen, this, this is not the norm. But what I also know is that our leadership is so incredibly needed during this time, especially during this really difficult time. And so you just have to go in with the mindset of knowing like every day that this is really challenging work, but in the same respect, um, what we're doing is so, so needed. I was, um, I, I've been thinking about this and thinking about, you know, um, I, I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, for lack of better words, death come across my Twitter feeds and like teachers dealing with the death of a so-and-so, so a mm -hmm. parent, a classmate. And in my own son's classroom, the a student's father recently passed away. And, you know, I'm thinking, I, that's an instance, a situation that teachers are never prepared for, especially mm -hmm. the first time that happens. And, and so I'm wondering how you coach. I mean, because I'm sure that as a leader, you've had to coach people through how to deal with this. And this is something that's happening a lot right now. And I'm sure is going to happen a lot more in the at least in the near term future. How are we how are we managing that specific crisis? I, I'm curious if you can give people any sort of advice or guidance for how you tend to coach your educators and leaders through through that specific situation. So I don't know that it's about coaching as much as it is about loving, right? We're, we're going to, we're going to love our community um, through those, through those moments and those, those situations. I had a, an opportunity to interview Daniel Pink over the summer. He wrote the book drive and the book when, and when I got done with the interview, I got to ask him this, this question and just said, you know, given everything you've read, everyone you've interviewed, um, knowing where we're at in this context of COVID and, and trying to make decisions about going back to school, not going back to school, you know, what would your advice be to leaders? And, and the first thing that he said was, you know, we just have to remember that we have to put the premium of care on our people, the people in our organizations, the teachers who are making the magic in the, the you know in the classroom happen day in day out, the the bus drivers that are driving our kids, the custodians that are in the hallway. But but here's the thing, and and he was honest about this, that 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 to accomplish that it is clashing in nature, right? Like I have kids' uh, academic needs and their social emotional wellness on one hand, and then I have the physical health of everyone else in my organization on the other, and those two don't mesh. If I'm gonna keep people completely safe, that's gonna look a whole lot different than, you know, providing an environment where kids are able to, to still participate in their activities and in the things that they love. And so there's this, this clashing. And so my job as a leader is to try to make the best decisions in light of the context in 
which I'm operating in. And in my context is going to look very different than, you know, my superintendent colleague 60 miles down the road or on the other side of Texas or on the other side of the U.S. And and knowing that we have to constantly be fluid and know that at any moment we're going to have to shift course, which we've done time and time again this year. So Jill, talking about that, we're about halfway through this unprecedented school year. Um, and I would like to believe that we as educators have learned so much and that potentially this new knowledge can be used even beyond this crisis year, uh, whether we're not teaching in distance learning or in hybrid situations. Uh, for example, in your district, you have created more time for your teachers to plan, to collaborate together. What are some other lessons that we need to continue doing post-COVID as educators or as educational institutions or as educational leaders? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. I, you know, I think that we have to go back to what is it that our teachers um, need? What can they do? And as leaders, how can we support that? So for instance, mm -hmm. when this crisis happened back in March. I mean, we were we were all in and we had a long ways to go. Like I wouldn't wish this pandemic on anyone, but you're right when you say this has equipped us and prepared us in ways that that no nothing else has. No weeks of PD or anything along those lines like our teachers are light years ahead of where they were. Um <clears throat> in a really painful way, like it has happened in a painful way. But what we did in the spring was incredible. Um, and I say that to set the context for what happened this fall, right? We were providing a mix of asynchronous and synchronous learning. Our teachers, um, you know, we, we did a, a kind of a, a longer transition. We started with paper and pencil to really make sure that our teachers were equipped before we launched. Um, our teachers, you know, worked together in collaborative teams, um, just incredible stuff happening. But as soon as summer came, and we started to realize that we were gonna have kids back in the classroom and kids remote, then as a leader, you've gotta make that really difficult decision of, so what does that look like? And while the model that I used in the spring, I felt like was really good for our teachers and kids, it was good for teachers who did remote learning for a full-time basis, not for teachers who were gonna have 80% of their kids in front of them, which ended up being our yes. context on the first day of school. And so I had to make that really hard decision of, yeah, that was great, but we will not move forward with that because our teachers cannot do both of those at the same time. Now, there are other models we could switch to and we had conversations about what that might look like. And so that was kind of our August dilemma. Of, so what does this new normal look like? All together weighing the needs of our students, but also the needs of our teachers because we it, we have to support them. And sometimes that means not doing some of the things that we think are our best because there is just literally not enough time to do that. And then we faced another crossroads mid-year. And like you talked about, um, in terms of increasing instructional planning time, we even though we made these decisions that we felt were the best way to support our teachers and still serve our students well, um, our teachers were still just drowning. And so in November, you know, I took a, a, a request to our board to say, hey, every Friday afternoon, I wanna end school at, at the half day mark and give our teachers time to plan um, put lessons online, support our remote learners. And, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, our district was able to do some uh, retention stipend, you know, around the Christmas holiday, if you will. And uh, we had these great uh, GT, um, that's our, you know, Gunner Tigers, like quarter zip swag, like beautiful shirt that we gave out. We walked around classroom to classroom and we handed out these great shirts and we handed out the bonus. And it was, I mean, like really, really nice. And every single teacher that we met, it was not just like, hey, thank you so much for these gifts. It was, 
thank you for changing our calendar so that we had that time to plan. Like that has been a game changer for us. But who does that? Who, you know, abandons what they did all spring that was working well to do something different? Who changes their calendar and their instructional schedule mid-semester? But that's what leaders have had to do um, in order to, you know, go with the needs of our teachers and, and our students. You got to be willing to do that sort of thing. You got to be willing to, I mean, literally, what's the point of being in a position of leadership where you have to make the big decisions if you're not able and willing to make the big decisions, right? Absolutely. So you are speaking at FETC, uh, giving one of the the keynotes. We've had the privilege of being able to speak to most of the keynote speakers this year. Uh, curious what you're going to be talking without burying the lead or anything. What, what do you, what do you, what are you going to be sharing? Give us, uh, give us the elevator pitch for your keynote, uh, presentation. So I'm so excited. And in my keynote is, um, in the leadership strand. So, you know, in, in, although I say that, but also would say that I feel like my message is for uh, anyone, you know, leader, classroom teacher. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that the message is, is the same. You know, it's in the context of the story that we've just walked together for the past eight months, um, which has been this crisis, and then using that as the backdrop to talk about what are some just tangible strategies to, you know, lead through any season, but especially the most difficult, and particularly through this time of COVID. And so, you know, I'm going to talk a lot about failure um, because that's such a critical thing to um, to be able to to manage and to grow from, and our attitude approaching it. And, and the reason why it's so important in this context is that. With COVID, everything we've had to start from scratch, and I mean everything, how we do a choir concert, how we sell football tickets, how we go through the lunch line, everything we've had to, to redo. And, and when you start rebuilding everything at once, there's so much opportunity for failure. I'm going to talk about fear um, and, and not only just the fear as you progress through your, you know, your journey in life, but you know, taking on new roles and responsibilities, but just also what it has been like to operate in this context of COVID. I'm going to talk about balance in self-care and just how we can really make sure that we are setting um, healthy boundaries, but also that we have a healthy definition of what balance even is. I think sometimes we skew that so much that we hold ourselves accountable to some standard that's neither realistic nor attainable. I'm going to talk about our actions and the decisions that we make and just the, the notion that while the what that we know, like we're coming into FETC with all these experts in, you know, education and technology and innovation and transformation and, and the what is important, but the the how we lead, the why we lead is, is so much more important. So how do we make decisions um, that are reflective of who we are as a leader? And then the last thing is just to lead with love um, and, and what that looks like tangibly um, to ourselves and to the people that we lead. Jill, how can our listeners connect with you online, maybe even lead us to where we can find your book? Ah, yeah. So the book came out um, earlier this fall. Um, and you can find me online at Jill M. Seiler pretty much for everything on Twitter and social media accounts. And then my website is JillMSiler.com. So just a reminder, friends, that FETC 2021 is a free virtual event this year. And all you have to do is visit FETC.org slash register to join the thousands of others who will register to learn with amazing educators like Jill. Again, head to FETC.org slash register for your free pass to FETC 2021. Jill Seiler, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. 
You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.